You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. Hey there, welcome back to our podcast, Farming Assets. And if you're watching from our YouTube channel, Asset Coach and Tax Strategist, welcome. So this episode is maybe not terribly exciting. We're going to be talking about debt. Our next few videos are going to be talking about debt. Remember our whole premise about McTermites, farming assets. Our goal is to give you as a business owner an understanding of what's being said, what's going on out there. What are our politicians saying? What is happening in the outside environment? How's that going to affect you and I as business owners? And so last month, the main topics were really about inflation. We tapped a little bit about taxes, but because there's a lot of uh, similarity or overlap, the same thing is going to happen with debt. Remember, what are our economic termites? There's five major termites. Taxes, inflation, time, laws and regulations, and debt. So debt we're going to talk about. Now, debt's not in my book, Economic Termites. We kept that out because really that's going to, that really could be volumes of books. And and we're going to go through an article today and it's kind of going to be proof of what I mean by debt. It's just a big topic. It's where what kind of debt we're going to talk about. So we're going to have probably about four or five episodes about debt. Our goal is to interview a few folks that are experts in debt, whether it's lending or some sort of debt removal or debt elimination. Uh, so we're working on tying up a couple interviews for you. So hopefully we'll be able to get that tied up. But remember, it's we're getting towards the tail end of the year. Everyone's planning. If you saw our last episode, it's about planning. It's a crazy time of the year for, for us. It's, it's exciting and a fun time of the year. So So let's talk about debt, all right? And so I'm going to go ahead and for you that are on my podcast, we're going to go ahead and going to read out loud this uh, this article and and kind of help you keep an understanding of what I'm talking about. You that are visually watching this on YouTube, I've highlighted certain aspects of what we're going to be discussing and talking about. And so we'll review all of that. This article actually is from wealthmanagement.com. And it's one of the, the subscriptions and newsletters that I get. And the article name is Making Sense of Deficits, National Debt, and inflation. And uh, the author, Harvey Bezozzi, wrote this article back in March 17th of 2022. So this article's a few months old, but I still like what he's talking about. I think he just did a phenomenal job on this particular article. And so let's go through here. And it says the title, Making Sense of Deficits, National Debt, and Inflation, Overly Associating Current Inflation with the Long-Term Problem of Escalating Government Debt will not help with either issue. Okay, well, what's he mean by that? Well, let's dive into here. So at the dawn of February, 2022, so a few months ago, the US national debt climbed over $30 trillion, right? That's a big chunk of change, a figure representing about 25 times the value of all US currency in circulation. 25 times the US currency in circulation. Craziness. Simultaneously inflation reached levels of not seen in almost 40 years. So things have only gotten worse with the recent war in Ukraine, which is not recent now because it's a few months later. But while some inflation was inevitable, as the economy recovers from its pandemic doldrums and current rate has set off economic uh, alarm bells, with many Americans already feeling the sting of price hikes, 
and clients likely looking to trusted professionals for answer. It is a good time to take a deeper look at deficit, debt, inflation, and what the Federal Reserve can and cannot do to help, which I think is a great, he did a great job of kind of giving us some uh, some pain points, kind of giving us some understanding of what we're going to be looking at and talking about. So let's talk about the federal government, budget deficits, and the national debt. Woohoo! High five. Exciting stuff. Now, some commentators have frequently referred to a, quote, 30 trillion deficit, end quote, adding to longstanding confusion between deficits and debt. Now, a government deficit occurs in a single year when spending exceeds revenue. So think about your personal business, think of your personal life. If you have more expenses than you do revenue, you're in a deficit. That's what deficit means. It's an annual basis. Now, when the federal government takes in, let's say, $750 billion in taxes during a particular year, but they spend $925 billion on programs, then the U.S. Treasury incurs a deficit of $175 billion for that year. That's a singular year. That's a deficit. Now, the national debt, on the other hand, this measures the cumulative effect of deficits over time, over the multiple years, okay? Now, suppose, suppose for example, the U.S. starts a decade with no national debt. <laughs> Imagine that. Well, throughout the decades, the federal government runs an annual average annual deficit of, let's say, $150 billion, all right? Let's just say average $150 billion deficit. Now, each year, the government meets its obligation to pay interest on money borrowed, but does not pay back any principal. The end result is a national debt of $150 billion times, let's say, 10 years, a decade, right? That leads to $1.5 trillion of national debt, okay? We have 10 years of deficit. You add the accumulation of each of the deficits. You have a totaling of a national debt. Now, the last time the federal government had zero debt, think about this, no debt at all. The very last time. Andrew Jackson sat in the Oval Office, okay? So now the current $30 trillion national debt, I don't even think Andrew Jackson could even be able to, I don't even know if the word trillion was in existence when Andrew Jackson was in the Oval Office. But $30 trillion national debt represents the end results of over 185 years of government borrowing, which means that's 39 different presidents, Right? We're at how many presidents right now? That means seven presidents previously and since then, 39. All right, let's let that set in. Pretty crazy. So it has nothing to do with politics, does it? It has to do with running of a government business. That's what it has to do with, okay? Now, is it true that foreign powers own the U.S. national debt? Sure, but what's that effect on us? Let's talk about that. To bridge budget deficit gaps, governments need to borrow money. Makes a lot of sense. A common belief popularized by many politicians holds that the U.S. government is primarily kept afloat by foreign leaders. However, this claim is more pro provocative than accurate. What do I mean by that? Well, for a variety of complicated reasons that go to the heart of what money actually is, the U.S. Treasury does not take out loans, doesn't take out loans. Instead, it issues government-backed securities such as treasury bonds. Those are long-term. T-bills, which are shorter, and then T-notes, which are intermediate. Okay. And we're talking about time periods, right? Now, these securities sell for less than their value. 
So let's say the value is $100, they'll actually sell at 90, which when they attain maturity at 100, then you're cashing in your mature bonds at the $100, which means a sizable interest payment on the initial investment. Okay. Now, the American public, including individuals, trusts, mutual funds, and companies hold the majority of these securities. All right. So let me repeat that. The American public, which includes you and I as individuals, trusts of family trusts, whatever it is, mutual fund companies, and individual other companies hold the majority of these types of securities. Foreign governments, especially China and Japan, do own a minority share. American public, majority, China and Japan, minority share. But that fact reflects their own economic strategies more than the U.S. desperation. I can buy into that, right? The same reason why the American public holds on to these same securities. It's not because America's desperate and they're forced by gun point to have these. It's a strategic financial plan. Same thing with China and Japan. Now here, it's interesting. Oddly enough, agencies within the American government, they also hold much of the national debt as the other nations. Wow. So let's think about that, right? Let's wrap our mind around this. The concept of the U.S. government owing money to a U.S. agency is a bit mind-bending, which is true. It's like, okay, I, this was new to me, okay? But there is logic behind it. Some agencies have revenue streams outside the general federal budget. That makes a lot of sense. For instance, Social Security tax, the primary component of the FICA tax, goes directly to the Social Security Trust Fund. The revenues going into the trust currently exceed annual benefit payments, currently. So the Social Security Administration buys treasury securities to get an investment return on the surplus. Makes a lot of sense. They have more money. They don't have a deficit yet. So they have more money. What do they do with the more money? They put it into government securities, the treasury securities, to get a return on it. It's a safe bet, so to speak, right? The government's banking on itself. The agency's banking on the government, right? Adding to the complexity, since 2009, the U.S. Federal Reserve has also held some of the securities making up the national debt. Now, by law, keep in mind, by law, the Fed cannot keep any profits. So as a result of this, the Fed disposes of the treasury securities. So it basically, it surrenders any gain back to the treasury. Okay. Now, Congress has often exploited this, which makes it look smaller. Shocking. I hopefully you were sitting down. <laughs> Congress exploiting this, right? Interesting. Now, do deficits and the debt really cause inflation? Here's the big question, right? Well, with both the national debt and inflation rates passing worrisome milestones, politicians and analysts have been quick to connect the two. However, as I discussed in a previous article, not me, but the, the author, Milton Friedman's economic theories, the relationship between deficits, debt, and inflation, it's not very simple just isn't, right? Now, ballooning federal deficits and skyrocketing debt have in fact been the norm over the last 35 years. That makes a whole lot of sense. I'm 47. 
And so as long as I remember, this has always been an issue. Now, with inflation remaining quite tame over that period of time, we've had certain periods where it may have bumped up a little over than 2%, which is the, the Fed's goal. Any claim that raises national debt inherently drives prices upwards. That does not hold water. Here's why. Friedman posited that primary driver inflation is not the status of the federal budget per se, but the overall size of the money supply. Absolutely right. That's what we have been saying. The government printing money. The too much supply is what is creating this. Not because of government's debt, money supply. Okay? Too much. All right. Now let's go back to the article. The link between debt and inflation lies in the fact that government spending can increase the amount of money flow through the economy. Well, that that makes a lot of sense, right? So the government, for example, the stimulus payments issued during the pandemic put money directly into consumers' pockets. Now, people with more money seek to buy more goods. And if those that demand spike occurs at a time that strains supply, prices climb quickly. In this way, the pandemic created a perfect inflationary storm. Here's why. Because a lot of people weren't working, so they weren't creating supply. So the government gave money to people. People had money and they needed to buy things, but there was nobody working to fulfill the demand. So you had less demand, more supply of money. Guess what happens? Inflation. Okay. Now, the other thing is true as well is where when the government does invest in infrastructure, they actually really raise money and really goes to infrastructure, not as they say, and then they give other countries money, but it really does. Well, where's that money for infrastructure? It goes into construction companies. It goes into supply of construction companies. It goes into the employees as, as income. It goes, and all of that goes back into the economy, right? Now, in short, the current bout of inflation has no particular connection to the total national debt. I agree, but likely does stem in part from specific recent deficit spending. True. Slowly, the growth of the debt would not necessarily ease inflation, but reducing the money supply almost certainly would. The Fed will play a central role in that process. So what the Fed has to do is ease or take away the money. So let's talk about the monetary policy and inflation, okay? Now, efforts to alter the money supply make up U.S. monetary policy. One of the primary tools available to combat inflation, in sluggish economic times, the Fed seeks to increase the flow of money, a process known as quantitative easing. When overheating economic activity drives prices upward, the Fed goes the opposite way and does quantitative tightening. Easing, putting more money into the supply, tightening, taking more supply process, okay, more money out. Historically, interest rates have stood at the center of monetary policy, lowering interest rates. This is what you see the Fed do, right? We're going to lower interest rates and and encourages consumers and business borrowing, which when you have lower rates, more money flow in. And then what do people do? It, we go buy, we go spend, and businesses grow. And this fuels greater spending, which in turn sends more dollars through the economic pipeline. Makes total sense. Therefore, interest rate reductions have the opposite potential. Conversely, the Fed can pursue quantitative tightening by raising interest rates, which they've done. Saving money becomes more attractive than borrowing. So people do what? They sock money away. But do they? 
Okay. Now, problems arise with this traditional form of monetary policy when an interest rate change would have adverse side effects. In our current economic situation, for example, the need for quantitative tightening might make a rate increase of some amount inevitable which it has. However, with many businesses still struggling to rebound from the pandemic slowdown, making borrowing a too difficult could bring the national recovery to a jolting halt. This concern has led many economic experts to turn their attention to the Fed's balance sheet. Okay, here we go. Now we're getting into the meat of things, and this is this could be worrisome, quite honestly, for some. Let's talk about the Federal Reserve balance sheet and its meaning. All right. Now stay with me. Hopefully you're as excited about this as I am. This is he did such a great job of writing this. I'm very very excited about this article. Now in recent years, the Fed has become a regular buyer of treasury securities. This practice has made it possible to pump money into the economy at a time when interest rates were already historic lows, right? So all of a sudden, not only did we have a lot of money already in and with low interest rates, right, which already spurred, but all of a sudden the government printed tons of money and threw a bunch of money into the, what happens if you're in a crowd of people? You have a, a stack of cash. You throw the cash up in the air. What does everybody do? They scramble and go grab the cash, even though they may have cash in their pocket, right? So holding these securities beefed up the Fed's balance sheet, which is basically just an inventory of assets and liabilities. Currently, this inventory includes well over $2 trillion in treasury bonds, T-notes, and T-bills. Now, along with trillions more in mortgage-backed securities. You remember mortgage-backed securities back in 2008? Guess what? They have not gone away. In fact, the student loan debt is student loan-backed securities. The Fed now proposes reducing this balance sheet by selling off chunks of its treasury holdings. The value of those securities, a sell-off would enable the Fed to sequester a sizable amount of currency without major interest rate bumps. So what's that mean? All right. So they reduce by selling off chunks of their treasury holdings. And when they get this money, what do they do? They take cash out of the supply. They don't reissue. They just take these cash and ends up doing what? Reducing the amount of currency into the system. In theory, at least this 21st century quantitative tightening strategy could tame inflation without dragging down the economy as a whole. Now, for the balance sheet reduction approach to work, there must be willing buyers for the Fed's securities, right? So you can, you can make the argument that foreign currencies would do this, foreign countries, because the federal government, the U.S. dollar, is a holding power. It's a security for many of these other countries' currencies. So this could be a very valuable option for a lot of these other countries. That could mean more of the national debt passing into foreign hands, right? Furthermore, no amount of quantitative tightening will fix broken supply chains, which nearly all experts see as a critical step in getting inflation under control. All right. Now, why the Federal Reserve cannot reduce the national debt? Now, let's talk about this. The swirling debates about deficits, debt, and inflation continue to fuel misconceptions about the Federal Reserve actions and its actions can accomplish. In particular, some reports have wrongly described reducing the Fed's balance sheet as a way to lower the national debt. I don't know. In reality, trimming the Fed's balance sheet and the quantitative tightening strategies are anti-inflation measures, not anti-debt measures. For one thing, the Fed holds less than 10% of the national debt. Interesting, right? 
More importantly, selling those securities will not alter the national debt by a single penny. It will only shift ownership of the debt. Makes sense. Totally makes sense. That that debt is already in existence. You sell it. You're basically selling your car. As an example, you have a buyer. The car still exists. It's just as a different owner. Okay. Doesn't reduce the, the car doesn't disappear. Right. Now it may disappear off of your balance sheet, but it still exists. While quantitative tightening actions may hold great promise for throttling down the current inflation surge, we cannot look to the Fed for help with the debt. Only Congress can address this issue, and any realistic approach involves hard choices. Let me repeat that. Only Congress can address the national debt issue. All right. How we could actually pay down the U.S. federal debt. Now, this answer here has never changed. This has always been the answer, okay? So keep that in mind. Ultimately, the only way to reduce the national debt is the same way individuals lift themselves up out of their own financial rent, by paying off principal. And the only entity with the power to do that is the one controlling our national purse strings, which is Congress. Will they do this? Again, tough choices, right? What do politicians want? Power. What do you want? How do you want to keep your power? Appease everybody. And so the deficit spending necessitates additional borrowing, making principal payments impossible. Therefore, Congress would first need to enact annual budgets, an actual real annual budget, not where they increase the debt limit so they can spend more money, but they need to create an annual budget with surplus of revenues over spending. Now, the Treasury could then use each year's surplus to buy back securities without issuing new ones. All right. Unfortunately, the only strategies shown to be effective in converting deficits into surpluses historically do not garner a lot of popular appeal. All right. You and I as business owners, get your ears open because we're responsible for this. Okay. We all are. We as the American people are responsible for this. All right. Buckle up. Bottom line, the government must increase revenues, reduce spending, or both, okay? So in the Trump administration, what'd they do? They reduced spending, right? They reduced, no, they reduced taxes. That reduced revenue, but they didn't reduce spending, okay? What this is saying is that government must increase revenues, meaning taxes, reduce spending, stop spending, or both, and it has to be both. Now, voters often express support for spending cuts. Yeah, reduce, reduce spending, right? But yet their support evaporates quickly when the cuts affect their own programs, right? Whether it's social security or social spending or whatever the case. Now, rising taxes could provide an immediate revenue boost, but citizens are not exactly lining up to contribute more to the federal coffers. Why? Because they haven't proven themselves to be able to be good spenders. They're not good stewards of our money. More importantly, by reducing disposable income, what's going to happen? Tax increases could eventually stifle the economy, resulting in lower wages, and which creates lower federal revenues over the long haul, okay? There's an issue with that. There's an issue with raising taxes, and you see it every time. Now, nevertheless, any reliable debt reduction plan will necessarily include some combination of austerity measures and targeted tax increases. Economists have suggested a couple of ways to reduce the sting of these actions. Ooh, let's find out. So, conclusion, an unknown limit and an uncertain 
Nearly all experts agree that current inflation levels in the U.S. are unsustainable and must be brought under control. By contrast, opinions differ widely on whether the soaring national debt actually poses an imminent economic threat. Here's why. Historically, many economists saw 77% of annual GDP as a clear cutoff line for debt sustainability. Well, Debt above that level, they believed at the time, would inevitably spiral out of control, crushing a country's economic or economy for decades. Well, by that standard, the U.S. should be in real trouble because since our 30 trillion debt is about 130 percent over the national GDP, the fact America seems to be chugging along fairly well. All things considered, as many analysts rethink the conventional wisdom. Now, Here's, there's a couple reasons for this. Researchers primarily arrived at the 77% figure by studying the often tragic fates of developing nations' history, right? They learned history whose currencies do not have a global sway of the U.S. dollar. Interesting. Here's where the difference is. The U.S. dollar is the foundation of the global economics. So that's why we haven't seen this. But let's look at Japan. Japan's debt sits at well over 200% of its GDP, and no one sees the land of the rising sun as a place of economic ruin. Now, you can have some debate about that, but the reality is they're still chugging along just like we are. The truth is, is we simply do not know how much national debt is too much. Now, the fact is, really, we don't want to know, do we? And that kind of uncertainty is inherently uncomfortable. By the time we discover the real limit of debt, guess what? we may have passed the point of no economic return. In any event, overly associating current inflation with the long-term problem of escalating that government debt will not help with either issue. So I hopefully this was helpful for you. I actually got a lot out of this article. I thought Harvey did a fantastic job writing this. Even though it was written in, in March, I think it's very, very poignant and effective today, probably more so today than it was in March. But hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Feel free to share it with anybody you want. Give us a comment or some type of review. If you have any questions, let us know. Thanks so much for spending a little bit of time with us. And we'll talk to you later. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.